Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. The title of the message is, Are You the Real Deal? And that's a question that I think many of us, if you haven't had at some point in your life, you will. Because one of the biggest questions that most Christians have at times is, Am I really a Christian? I have especially found this true with senior adults. As they are getting closer to the end of their lives, they they just want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And often it is just fear. And that's where Satan gets us. He tries to get us to doubt our salvation. That is why it's so important in the armor of God that you find in Ephesians chapter 6, the helmet of salvation. Because see, if Satan can get in your head, if you don't use that helmet of salvation... If he's got your head, he's got your heart. If he's got your heart, he's got your body. If he's got your body, he's got all of you. But the thing is, is that leading believers to doubt one's salvation is a very common attack of Satan. And he loves to get into our heads. The great thing to remember is that even though God is faithful, even when our faith is faltering, for example, let me show you this verse. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, If we are unfaithful, I can raise my hand and say, I have been unfaithful to God at times. And you could too, but I'm not going to make you. But if we are unfaithful, He's going to get us. Is that what that verse says? No. If we are unfaithful, He remains faithful. There is nothing that you can do to stop God's love for you. And he is faithful to you, even though you feel like he may not be. But as Jesus begins to close out his sermon on the mount, he offers great measurements that will give us an assurance of our faith. These things that we're going to discuss, these are like rulers that we, we can use this to determine whether our faith is the real deal or not. And it also reveals in that that we need him. Because, remember, in these few chapters, Jesus has instructed us on attitudes that we must have with other people. He tells us how we should treat others. And Jesus did not expect these things that he has laid out in chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7 to come easy to anybody. So that's why he closes out this sermon in such a strong way. Because Jesus did not expect it to be easy for us. That is exactly why he had to die for us. It is His Holy Spirit that empowers us every day to live up to the standards God has set before us, not only in this Sermon on the Mount, but through the entirety of Scripture. So, as we see that, we see that Jesus offers the mercy and the grace to allow us to meet these things that He has laid out. So let's jump right in. The first thing about knowing if you're the real deal or not is that a real believer demonstrates Goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. (laughs) Some of these people are like, what in the world is he saying? But some of you remember that song. There again, that was not in my notes. I should have stayed with my notes. But anyway, I, I get random every now and then. But the thing is, is that real believers demonstrate goodness and mercy. Look at verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. 
So what he's saying here is to turn your negative attitude into a positive one. You see, this verse has been given the title of the golden rule. And even from the earliest days in biblical history, Jewish teachers taught this little nugget of wisdom called the golden rule. However, often it didn't have a positive emphasis. It had a negative emphasis. It basically meant whatever you don't want others to do to you, then don't do it to them. It wasn't the emphasis wasn't doing good for other people. The emphasis was manipulating them so it won't come back on you. That's the way it was. But now Jesus has flipped it on itself. Many quote this rule to protect themselves, to keep others from hurting them by withdrawing. But Jesus is not encouraging you to not do for others. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is calling you to do things to others that show the authenticity of your faith. The title of the series has been How to Live in a Broken World. And the world is going to continually be broken until the church does what the church is supposed to do. How do you expect to make this broken world a better place if you refuse to inject your faith-based actions into it to make it better? You know, you can sit and look at that needle or pill that will be used to deliver medicine to heal you and your body, but looking at it, looking at it doesn't heal you. Taking action to receive the medicine is what does the healing. Folks, we have the best medicine around. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet we hold on to it for ourselves like it's going to expire. Or we're going to use it all up. We're not going to use it all up. What action of goodness and mercy can you show today? If you want some application to this, I mean, we can, I can talk for another 20 minutes and we can just go on through the rest of the week. But if you want to take something home, if you want to write down something, if you want to put something in your heart, what can I do today to someone to show goodness and mercy? It doesn't have to be cure world hunger. It can be something as simple as being nice to someone, looking for a way to share your faith with someone. Just, if nothing else, telling them, God bless you and have a good day. If nothing else, when you're talking to your waiter or waitress, we're about to have our blessing, sir or ma'am. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Something simple to show goodness and mercy. Maybe it's to your children. Maybe it's to your spouse. Maybe it's to the person in front of you or behind you or wherever it may be. You let the Lord lead you on that. But if you want some application for today, show goodness and mercy in one way today. And then tomorrow, pray the same thing. The second thing we see in verses 13 and 14 is that there is only one way to eternal life. Now, this is not politically correct. And there will be people, there are colleges and libraries filled with books that will debate this. But Jesus says it, and I'm just going to take it for what the Bible says. It says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who chose that way? Who in the world knew that ACDC was quoting the Bible? The highway to hell. They make it sound like a party. Woo! We're going to be with all our friends. We're going to drink beer. We're going to ride Harleys. We're going to have a good old time there. No. That is not what hell is going to look like. But the highway to hell, as it says here, is wide open. I don't know about you, but... I like dri- for me driving my car is therapy at times, and if I could get on a long road with the sunroof down, and I may employ a little bit of grace on the speed limit, 
Boy, that's good living. And there's nobody around. That, 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 that is real good living. And some of you that ride motorcycles, you probably feel the same way. You don't have to worry about somebody pulling out in front of you. You just, whoo, let it ride. You know what? That's the thing about a wide road. It is so easy. It is so fun. It is so exhilarating. But where does that road lead you? And where does that road lead me? It says the highway to hell. That's where its destination is. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Amen. And only a few will ever find it. Jesus makes the way to heaven clear. Like a lighthouse to ships that are at sea on a stormy night, Jesus makes it clear that the path to eternal life goes straight through him. You see, throughout the years, for, for, for many years, there, in time to come, there will be those who claim to be prophets. Some will actually claim to be Jesus himself. We've seen that in history already. There's been people like Jim Jones and David Koresh and others that have claimed to be the Messiah, have claimed and used Scripture to dupe people into doing horrendous, terrible things. There are so many people that that are trying to offer a politically correct Jesus. My friends, Jesus was never politically correct. As a matter of fact, Jesus never got into politics. You show me one, one passage where Jesus took on political figures for the sake of politics. It was always for their soul. It was always for the people. It was always for their heart. It was always for their condition, their heart condition. That is why I'm glad that Jesus makes it plain and simple for somebody like me who is plain and simple. There are two destinations. You can look at this passage. You don't have to be a scholar to figure this out. If you just go back and look at that verse, there are two destinations, heaven and yes, hell. Do not believe any preacher or any teacher or any instructor that will tell you that hell is a figurative, non-linear, unreal place. It is as real as this pulpit is. Hell is real. We'll either end up in heaven or hell. And there is one way to each of them. One is narrow and one is wide. And now narrow does not necessarily mean that it's impossible. As a matter of fact, the process is really easy. To, to follow the narrow road, you say yes to Jesus every day and say no to the wider. You know how easy it would be for me to get up here and preach some kind of social gospel and that everybody's going to be loved and that everybody's going to go to heaven and if you be good to your person and you love people like you want to love them and they love you and we will all be one big happy family. Kumbaya, praise the Lord. That would go over well. But it ain't the truth. The truth of the matter of fact is, is there are two ways. There is a narrow way. And there's a wide way. And there are some days where I feel like I could be like everybody else. That they just, they just spout out what they saw on Facebook as it is biblical knowledge. And claim that they are, they are right. No, that's not the case. The Bible makes it clear. And if you've got a problem with that, I'm sorry. You've got a problem with the Bible. Because it says in John 14, 6, Jesus himself said this. He said, I am the way, not one of the ways. The way, the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. My friend, I have tried other truths in my life. 
When I was a teenager, I had a different code of truths. And every time I have followed any truth in my life that was not Jesus Christ himself, it led to disaster. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The decision is difficult. We must deny our sin and self. It's not our way. It's his way. And the, the wide way is easy. Why is that? Because everybody's doing it. You, if you go the wide way, if you go the politically correct way, if you don't want to make waves, you want to be one of those silent, stealth Christians, which is nowhere in the Bible. If you want to be one of those under the radar Christians, you can do that. But the thing is, is that if you do that, there will be no public pushback. You will fit in with the popular culture and friends and have no reason to stand out. You will be on that wide road, but where is it leading you? Does that sound like an effective way to fix this broken world? Is to jump on the wide road with everybody else. Each person must choose their path. Every one of you in here today is on a path and you have chosen what your next step is. No one can walk it for you. You can be assured that the path you are walking will end in only one or two of these places. Of one of these two places will your path end. doesn't matter what you're doing now, what you're going to do in the future. Ultimately, when the preacher is standing over your coffin or your whatever, the, the, the crypts or whatever, and when all your family's sitting there crying, your destination has been set. Either the wide road or the narrow road. Either hell or heaven. Not my words, his words. Each person chooses their path. We see in verses 15 through 20, you must be wise in who you listen to. Look, even when I preach, I encourage people to check their scriptures. And if I am saying something that is wrong, I need to know because I'm held to a higher standard. But there is so much junk people are, are taking in hook, line, and sinker that is not right. It says here in verses 15 through 20, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not practice good fruit or produce good fruit, is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Folks, there are false prophets in this world that mean you harm. When Jesus taught this, it was pretty common to see false prophets in the Old Testament. The Bible records many times, especially in the Old Testament, you'll see kings will ask all of their soothsayers and their magicians and all of the people to come in and tell them what their dreams mean. And those people that are hired by the king tell the king, oh, you're a great king. Oh, you're the best king. But then when somebody like Daniel comes in and says, no, you're headed for a fall. And they see truth. There, there is such a marked difference between the gobbledygook of the world that is self-effacing, self-promoting, and then the truth of God. Those people told the king what, they wanted, what he wanted to hear, 
But the men of God and the women of God tell people what people need to hear. Unfortunately, not all who wear the name pastor today even deserve it. Matter of fact, there's a story now. There's fake pastors and false prophets in South Africa that are being accused of rape and fraud and scandals. And they have called for now South Africa is regulated. The government is stepping in and regulating the churches because of the actions of those fake pastors. You could probably think of at least one religious figure that you know of that has fallen in your lifetime. And I don't say that like I'm better than anybody else there, but by the grace of God, go I. So how do you recognize a false prophet? I'm going to give you a few ways. Number one, they lift themselves up and minimize Jesus Christ. They lift. It's all about me. It's all about my few points that I've got you. If you want to follow me, you will find the truth. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And if there's somebody that promotes themselves above Jesus, do not listen to them. Number two, they consider themselves the only resource for biblical truth. The minute somebody comes up and says, I'm going to tell you something that God has told nobody else. You better walk out the door. Because if it's not in here, it doesn't need to be said. The next thing is they put more weight into their words rather than God's word. I have heard sermons and I have seen preachers and they will end, they, they will have their sermon. It will be all about their little saying, about their little acrostic, about their little rhyme that they've got that you could go away with it and never even touching the Bible verse, the whole sermon. And then last but not least, they reject accountability. If you show me somebody that doesn't want accountability, I will show you somebody that's got something they want to hide. I am accountable. I'm accountable to the church. I'm accountable to our deacons. But most importantly, I'm accountable to God. On the day of judgment, they're not going to say, you know, you're a pretty good boy back at that church. They're going to say, look, I know what you preached about. I know what you thought about. I know what was out of your mouth, and I know what was in your heart. He's going to say the same thing about you, too. So watch out for false prophets. If you see these things, these are warning signs. The fruit proves the root. The fruit proves the root is what Jesus is saying. You and I have to evaluate spiritual leaders and examine them by God's word. Character matters, folks. Character matters in your leadership. Authenticity matters in your leadership. Good behavior and moral choices, they all give fruit that that person who is speaking their faith is genuine. Now, they don't have to be perfect. Lord knows I'm not perfect. They don't have to be perfect, but everyone is subject to sin. But we must extend mercy to them just as we expect to receive it. And then we need to use the brain God has given us. Don't blindly follow spiritual leaders. Oh, they said it. That must mean it. No, it's got to match up to God's Word. Check their words against God's Word. Check their actions against God's Word. Then we see that there will be a reckoning for all believers. There will be a reckoning for all believers in verses 21 to 23. He says, Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Boy, that verse breaks my heart. That verse breaks my heart. Not everyone who calls to me and says, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's one thing to say the name of the Lord. It's another thing to claim the name of the Lord. To own the name of the Lord. There are people, there will be churches when Jesus Christ comes back and the rapture comes that will still be full after the church is raptured because they have sat in their pew, and I mean that literally and physically as well. They have, and figuratively, they have sat in their pew and had religion. Somebody told them they were saved, but there was never one drop or seed of fruit in anything that they'd ever done. And they will bust hell wide open because they were religious. And they called on the name of the Lord as a name, but never truly owned it. Because my friend, if you are a believer, you will bear fruit. If you, Jesus Christ came into your life, whether you were young or whether you were old, whether you had a grand conversion or it's what you've always known, there will be a difference about you. But not everyone who calls on him and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father will enter. So on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You cannot be a lawbreaker. You cannot intentionally and continually break God's law and be okay with it. If you are, there's a problem. Are you the real deal? Do you do the will of God? Have you ever heard the saying, talk is cheap? There's a lot of other sayings along that line. But just because someone can talk about heaven, and they can talk about living for God, it does not mean that they are actually doing it. Do I have any bargain hunters out here today? Anybody like to go shopping and get bargains? Yeah. Oh, I hear it all the time. Oh, did you go down to Coles? They had this 5% off on top of 50%. And, and they're just all going about all these different savings they got. Look, we got bargain hunters. And, you know, the ones that show up with a flashlight at a yard sale one hour before it even starts. You know? People are still in the bed and there's, they see people out in the yard with flashlights. Want to get the good deals. Sometimes you can find the deal, but... Most of the times, things you find are used, or maybe even replicas. There's a, a, a section in New York called Canal Street, and it's basically like the jockey lot on steroids. If, if that's even a thing. Or like a flea market on steroids. And so you walk down the street, and there's vendors on both sides, and, and they have what, they, what I call the, the Folex watch. Not the Rolex. A Folex is a fake knockoff. You know what I'm talking about? Or the, oh, you, you see women that have the handbags that are popular in these knockoffs? They love it. And they go and they'll buy these things and they'll buy them for cheap and they'll take them home if they make it home and they just fall apart because they're not the real thing. The stitching is off. The sunglasses break. The logos don't look quite like the original. The problem with these items is that they do not function like their predecessors and their construction is cheaper. Their stitching is off. And when it breaks, which it will, you cannot take it back. Folks, Jesus reveals here that our talk doesn't represent 
our walk, we are in trouble. Because it is our walk that represents our talk. You can tell me till you're blue in the face how good of your Christian you are, but let's see it. No talk, just walk. I would rather somebody show their commitment than somebody tell me their commitment. You cannot separate your behavior from what you believe. But what you believe can change your behavior. There will be a day of judgment, folks, and we will be accountable for our actions. And don't be religious. Folks, don't know about God, but never really know him. And the last thing that we see in verses 24 to 28 is that a real Christian builds their life on Jesus, the real foundation. He says in verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Because anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Folks, take Jesus' words seriously today. Not only must you hear God's word, you must respond to it. You must apply it for your spiritual growth and be a productive believer for God's kingdom. Not only must you hear God's word, you must respond to it. I'm going to give you a very spiritual illustration. Some of you remember this story about the three little pigs. Remember the three little pigs? Of course you do. And it's not in the Bible. You don't have to look in the Bible. It's not there. But you probably remember the story. You kids remember the story of three little pigs? Of course you do. He had three pigs. And the wolf came and said, I will huff and puff. And blow your house down. And so the first pig made his house out of twigs or sticks. Straw. The first one was straw. The second one was sticks. And the third one was bricks. Straw, sticks, bricks. And every time... That wolf would come up and say, what? I'll huff and puff. I'll do it one more time. And blow your house down. And sure enough, they get to the third house. And the wolf can't blow the the house down because it's made of brick, because it's solid. So he decides, I'm going to be like Santa Claus, and I'm going to go up to the chimney, and I'm going to go down. And so he goes down the chimney, and he doesn't realize those little pigs had a bucket of a kettle of water at the bottom of it, and so they had wolf soup at the end of that. So, what in the world am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, is that Jesus gives us the greatest sermon ever here. The greatest example that ever lived, the greatest gift that we have ever received of forgiveness of sins. And what we see in that story of the three little pigs is that the thing that made the difference is what they built their house on. 
Now, as, as I'm sitting here, I understand. I've, I've, I've actually been in pews where you are before and heard the preacher saying, and some of you are saying, good Lord, he needs to be quiet. It's about time to get lunch. My stomach's killing me. And some of you are going to forget what I said. Some of you have already tuned me out. That's okay. But one day it will come back. Because it's not my words, but his words. And take this seriously. There is no amount of things that you can fill your garage with. There is no size of a house. There is no career. There is no amount of money. There is no accolades. There is no relationship that is going to be any more solid than your relationship with Jesus Christ. You must be the real deal. Because one day, your path will lead you either from the narrow way or the wide way, from heaven or hell. So do not let the storms of life catch you without a solid foundation. Here's a good thing to think about. When you're thinking about your eternity, and when you're thinking about the things that you treasure, check this out. If it will rust or break... Or fade away. It's not worth building your life upon it. If it will rust, break, or fade away. It's not worth building your life on it. I mean, I I think even in marriage, your children, and your family, your relationships. I love my wife with all of my heart. But I don't base my life on her. I base it on my walk with Jesus Christ because I'm a much better person because of Christ than I was after the Christ. And as much as I love her, we joke every every now and then. I don't know if you all do this, but we joke about who's going to go first. Yeah, y'all do it too, huh? Okay. Some of you younger folks are like, oh, that's just old people. You'll get there. I promise you. I'll never forget when I, when I started getting around, I got a little older and I'm getting around and I see some friends. These are guys I went to college with and we're talking about what hospital procedures we had and who died. I'm like, I'm a senior adult now. Y'all are contagious. Y'all are rubbing off on me. I'm telling you what. I'm a pre, is there such thing as a pre-senior adult? But the truth of the matter is, folks, is that there is no relationship There is no bank account. There is no toy. There is no title. There is nothing that will benefit you more than building your life on Jesus Christ. And the time that you have invested in this hour may be the time that made the difference in your life or someone you love. Because a refusal to put God first and become his disciple will give you all the love and second best ultimately will lead you into destruction. So I conclude with this. Get real with Jesus and yourself today. It's important to remember that having a real, functional, and intimate relationship with God is not based on your perfect... There is nothing that I have said here that is based on you needing to be perfect. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't say you have to be perfect. He said, I am the author and perfecter of your faith. In other words, you're not going to be perfect, but I'm going to make you perfect. The fact that you are struggling in your faith is proof that God is working on you. Maybe you're drawing, he's drawing you unto himself for the first time. Or maybe he's drawing you unto himself for the millionth time. God ministers to those who are broken, perplexed, and hopeful. And yes, even the ones who think they're perfect. Be very careful who you listen to. 
Choose the right path that leads to the right destination. Don't talk about following God's will. Do it. That's what Jesus said. And build your life on God's word and Jesus' example, not the world's thoughts of the day or the chicken soup for the soul. Are you the real deal? Only you know. So deal with it today. Because this broken world needs you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this series of the Sermon on the Mount. And Lord, as we come to the end of this series, Lord, you have made it clear that, Lord, if this world is going to be fixed, it is going to be when your children do your will. And Lord, if there's anybody here today, Lord, that has said, I'm on that wide path. I'm on the highway to hell. And I want to be sure that I get on the right road. That only happens through a saving knowledge and relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, if somebody needs forgiveness of their sins, they're tired of living their life their way, and they need forgiveness, they need a do-over, they need to start afresh with you, may this be today that they do that. They can come forward, and I will pray with them. If they don't want to come alone, they can grab the person beside them. We will rejoice with anybody that comes. Maybe someone has strayed from you, Lord, and they want to return or recommit, or just come to the altars and pray, they can Maybe someone wants to join this church. Whatever this decision is, Lord, it'll be for your glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?